welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Well, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes, as Cap has told you, I am from the promised land. Don't worry, you'll all get there one day. <laughs> Fantastic. We're in our uh, third week of our Insight series, looking at some of the less well-read books of the Bible and how they relate to us in 2022. And this series will help us know and understand our Bibles for ourselves. And the Bible is God's story and the primary way that God reveals himself to us today. And the, God's big story climaxes in Jesus. So when you read the Bible, especially these obscure bits of the Old Testament that we're looking at, ask yourself, where does this passage come within the big story? How does it relate to Jesus And how does Jesus fulfill this part of the Bible? And today we're looking at the little Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Hands up anybody whose favorite book of the Bible is Habakkuk. No, no hands. So um, why don't you turn to it in your Bibles or on your device? It comes after Nahum, which Aaron and Jeff talked about a few weeks ago. And before the book of Zephaniah, as if that's going to help you. Um, And Habakkuk is a vital source of hope and inspiration for us as followers of Jesus. In his commentary on Habakkuk, Heath Thomas says this, as we look to Christ, we see the goal of Israel's history. Indeed, the whole of creation's history. Practically, this means that Habakkuk's message and historical moment must be integrated into the full biblical story so that we can hear it Right. Now, the big story of the Bible can be divided up in a few ways. And a way I've talked about here before is to think of it as a four-act play, with the first act of the play being creation, the second act being the fall, the third act being rescue, and the fourth act being renewal. And the book of Habakkuk is part of Act 3, God's rescue plan, which starts with the nation of Israel, which centers on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and which is taken forward by you and me in the story of the church. So let's introduce Habakkuk and have a look at verse 1 of chapter 1. It says this, this is the oracle, or it may say the prophecy in your version, that the prophet Habakkuk saw. So the author of this book is Habakkuk, and it tells us that he is a prophet. And what type of book? There's different types of writing in the Bible. Well, this is a prophetic book. It's Habakkuk giving this oracle, this prophecy, or the Hebrew could be read as this burden. And when was it written? Well, it was written in about the year 605 BC, under the reign of King Jehoiakim. If you want to read about Jehoiakim, he wasn't that great, but have a read of him in 2 Kings, chapter 23 and 24. 
Um, any historians, any history buffs, any history students in the room? If there is, this came just after the Battle of Carchemish, when the, com uh, the combined forces of the Assyrians and the Egyptians were defeated by the Babylonians. And Habakkuk is written shortly before the Babylonians defeat Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, because in 597, Nebuchadnezzar came and took 3,000 of the nobility into captivity, including Daniel and his three mates. And then in 586, Jerusalem was completely destroyed, the temple was ruined, and the, the whole nation was taken off into the Babylonian exile. And Habakkuk, as you read it, is written in poetic verse. In fact, the final chapter, chapter 3, is written as a song. And we know very little about the prophet Habakkuk. His name literally means someone who embraces. It's like a wrestling term. We might call it clinger. Habakkuk was a man who clung to God, who dared to argue with God, and insisted on getting answers from God, even if he didn't like the answers when they came. So if you take nothing away this morning, be a clinger. <laughs> Habakkuk is a unique book. You know, when you read prophetic books in the Bible, it's often the prophet give him a message from God to the people. But Habakkuk's not like that. It's a series of Habakkuk's complaints to God and God's answer. It's like this prophetic dialogue between Habakkuk and God. It's like we're reading his prayer journal as he wrestles with the Father. And we can split the book up by of Habakkuk into three. Firstly, there's Habakkuk's first question and God's answer in chapter 1 verse 2 to 1 verse 11. And the word I want you to remember for that is wrestling. Then we have in chapter 1, verse 12, to the end of chapter 2, Habakkuk's second question to God and God's answer. And the word I want you to remember there is waiting. And then finally in chapter 3, we have Habakkuk's song of praise to God. And the word I need you to remember there is worshipping. And as we read the book of Habakkuk this morning, we're going to see that Habakkuk goes on a personal journey with God throughout this book and is changed by him. So today, my talk is called Habakkuk's Journey, from wrestling to worship via waiting. And today, like Habakkuk, you might be facing situations that are causing you pain and distress. I know that I am. God is calling you today to take a Habakkuk journey with him and be transformed by the Father today. So let's start where Habakkuk starts with a bit of wrestling in chapter 1, verse 2. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Oh Lord, how long must I call for help before you listen, before you save us from violence? Why do you make me see such trouble? How can you stand to look on such wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are all around me, and there is fighting and quarreling everywhere. The law is weak and useless, and justice is never done. Evil people get the better of the righteous, and so justice is perverted. Habakkuk looks around the land of Judah, and what does he see? Violence, destruction, wrongdoing, strife, and conflict. If you read the message, the message tra translates verse 4 as justice is a joke. And Habakkuk cries out to God, asking him, why 
does he allow this? And straight away, as we read these opening verses of this book, we can see how relevant it is to us today in 2022. We only have to check our news feeds to see violence, injustice, strife, and conflict all around us on a global, a national, and even a personal level. Actually, this morning, why don't you turn to the person next to you and just quickly tell them what issue of injustice, conflict, violence, are you particularly makes you angry? Are you particularly passionate about what things in the world stir up that passion inside of you, like Habakkuk? Turn to the person next to you for 30 seconds. Let's come back together. Habakkuk was struggling in his faith and had questions, concerns, and doubts. So what does he do? He brings them to God in prayer. I read this quote, which, which is so profound. Prayer is the first and best reflex for negotiating pain in the life of faith. Prayer is the first and best reflex for negotiating pain in the life of faith. Habakkuk, true to his name, was not afraid to wrestle with the issues that tested his faith. And he openly and honestly directs his questions to God and waits to see how God will respond. And Habakkuk doesn't just ask God for things in prayer. He asks God's questions expecting an answer. You know, I don't know about you, but my prayer life is too often characterized by me giving God a list of things that I want from God. But I don't, how often do I ask God questions? Actually, why don't you turn back to the person um, sitting next to you or online, type in the chat. How often do you ask God questions in prayer? If you do, perhaps and you're comfortable doing it, give an example or... What's a question you'd like to ask God in prayer today? What's a question you'd like to ask God? Do you regularly ask God questions in prayer? Turn to the person next to you. All right, let's come back together. Habakkuk offers lament over the shattered and violent world he experiences. And lament is defined as a kind of prayer that voices a complaint to God about distress and is uttered to persuade God to act on the sufferer's behalf. And today, we need to learn to lean into lament. John Mark Comer says this, we need to recapture the art of lament. There is a place for protest questions, and even anger in prayer. Prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. And as I prepared today, I felt that part of his quote was for somebody today. Prayer isn't a place to be good. It's a place to be honest. After all, God already knows every single thing you think about and feel. It's futile to pretend with God. He wants us to express the full bandwidth of our emotions, good, bad, and ugly to him. No filter. He invites us to meet him in our suffering. So go to the place of pain in your life. You'll find that God is there waiting. 
Perhaps you haven't thought about praying like that before. You might want to pick up the big three booklet at the back or download it uh, from our website. And there's a section there about praying your thoughts. Or have a look at the Psalms, which is the prayer book of the Bible. Psalm 13 is this amazing psalm of lament. And you may want to work through that in your own time. But I want to say to us today, God can handle all of our concerns, all of our questions, all of our doubts. And he wants us to talk to him about them. You know, questions can bring freedom. We can say anything to God in prayer. And the best way of dealing with our questions, our concerns and our doubts is to wrestle with God and to cling to him until he gives us an answer. In Genesis 32, there's that amazing account of Jacob wrestling all night with God. And I love what Jacob says in verse 26. He says this, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Today, your next step on your Habakkuk journey may be to bring the things you're facing honestly to God, to get onto the wrestling mat with him, to give the issues that you're facing over to him. Otherwise, these issues can crush us. They can destroy our faith. They can lead us, leave us bitter and jaded. And what's God's answer to Habakkuk? Well, it's one he wasn't expecting. In verses five and six, God tells him that the Babylonians are coming and they will punish Judah. Let's read verses five and six. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm gonna do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. This was not an answer that Habakkuk expected. Imagine that was the answer God gave you in prayer. So what does Habakkuk do? He gets back on the wrestling mat with God. So let's have a look at his second question and God's answer and look at waiting. Habakkuk thought God was going to end injustice, not raise up another people who built their whole empire on injustice and violence. So Habakkuk brings his question back to God in verse 13 of chapter 1. Your eyes are too good to look at evil. You cannot stand to see those who do wrong. So how can you put up with those evil people? How can you be quiet when the wicked swallow up people who are better than they are? And Habakkuk says, right, I will wait for God's answer. Chapter 2 verse 1, I will climb my watchtower and wait and see what the Lord will tell me to say and what answer he will give to my complaint. And actually in chapter two, verse three, God tells Habakkuk to tell the people to wait for him to act. Chapter two, verse three, put it in writing because it's not yet time for it to come true. But the time is coming quickly and what I show you will come true. It may seem slow in coming, but wait for it. It will certainly take place and will not be delayed. You know, we have to be prepared to wait on God for an answer to our prayers. And God's timing is not, is not our timing. It's different to our timing. Is there anybody here this morning who's not very good at waiting? Are you sitting next to somebody? If you, just elbow them right now if the person you're sitting next to is not very good at waiting. Do you want things instantaneously? I was reminded of that, those lines from that song we sing, Sovereign Over Us. It says this, you are working in our waiting. 
you are sanctifying us when beyond our understanding, you are teaching us to trust. And Habakkuk goes on a waiting journey throughout this book. At the start of chapter two, he sort of sat on his watchtower in a bit of a grump with God. But by the end of chapter three in verse 16, he says that he will patiently wait for God to sort things out. Some translations put it, I will quietly wait. The word in Hebrew literally means to rest. Over the last six months as a family, we've been going through a really difficult situation that has caused us huge amounts of pain and distress. And the situation is yet to resolve. But in the midst of it, God has brought me and challenged me. He wants to bring me to a place that despite what is going on, despite not things not being sorted, I can rest in him. Today, your next step on your Habakkuk journey may be to realize that God is working in our waiting. This morning, you may, come, you may need to come and get prayer to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you afresh to trust God in a period of waiting to bring you to that place where Habakkuk got to, of quiet trust, a place of rest despite what's going on. What does God tell Habakkuk? He tells him to come down and write down what he's told him plainly so people can read it and pass it on to others. I love what David Pawson says. He says this, Habakkuk should be warning the people, not sitting at a distance to see whether God will do what he's promised. When God reveals to us what he's going to do, he does it so we can tell people to get ready, not so that we can wait around to see if he does it. For some of us today, we're metaphorically sitting on our watchtowers, waiting to see if God does what he says, rather than taking the message God has given us and speaking it out. God has called each one of us as messengers for him today, Not because we've got it all sorted, but despite the fact that we're still all on this Habakkuk journey, learning how to get to that place of quiet trust in him. And in chapter 2, verse 4, we have God's reply to Habakkuk. And this is the message. Those who are evil will not survive, but those who are righteous will live because they're faithful to God. God's answer to Habakkuk is that Babylon too will fall. While God is using them, he does not approve of them. And in the second half of chapter two, he lists these series of woes, these series of judgments against Babylon. And he says, he lists their crimes and he says that they will be punished. And in chapter two, I think um, Habakkuk gives us two keys to waiting. And they are faith and hope. So faith, we are to live by faith. Chapter two, verse four has been translated like this, but those who are right with God will live by faith. Probably the most famous verse in Habakkuk, taken up in the New Testament by Paul in Galatians, uh, by Paul in Romans and Galatians, and by the writer to Hebrews, whoever she was. Um, (laughs) Did you get me then? Um, Faith is a gift of God. And it actually says we live by his faith. The English standard translated is as the righteous will live by his faith. And faith in Habakkuk is better understood as faithfulness, which is our fitting response as God's people to his faithfulness. 
And at the end of chapter 3, Habakkuk declares that though all this is still to come, he will trust in God and rejoice in him in the present. Habakkuk models this life of faith, a commitment to trust in God despite the pain in the present. And Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of the faithfulness of God. We know that the Savior King has come in Jesus. We know that he's defeated the powers of evil and death that has hold sway over humanity. And how did he do this? He did this by allowing humanity's evil to defeat him so that he could bring about the death of all death in his resurrection. And today, the invitation of Habakkuk is to put your trust in Jesus, the faithful one of God. And you might never have done that before, but you can do that today. Or today, you might feel like Habakkuk, crying out to God in the midst of an impossible and painful situation. Today, God wants to give you his faith to know that the crucified and risen Jesus has defeated evil and death. The second key to waiting is hope. One of the things we often talk about is the kingdom of God. And there's a brilliant booklet at the back called What is the Kingdom? We talk about God's rule and God's reign. And we talk about living between the now and the not yet, knowing in the now that Jesus has defeated and the powers of sin and death, that he's won the victory on the cross. But we look forward to the not yet, the day that he will return to implement his victory and wipe away evil and injustice forever. And in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, God points forward to the day when he will come and put all things right. Habakkuk 2.14, but the earth will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord's glory as the seas are full of water. That's the hope that sustains us in the present, that there is a day coming when God's kingdom is going to come in all its fullness. When I was a student in London, I went to a church and we had this prayer covenant. And one of the prayers we prayed every day was for a day to come when God's glory would fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Our Father is faithful. And there is a day coming. Whatever we're going through in the here and now, there's a day coming when he is going to put all things right. And I love the way he ends uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. There's a classic God mic drop moment in verse 20. He says this, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. God is effectively saying, I'm in control and I've got this. And God is saying to you today, whatever you're facing, I'm in control and I've got this. The Lord is in his holy temple. The throne is not empty this morning. It's occupied by a crucified Messiah and he's got this. And for me, as I go through a difficult time, this is so important that God wants to change my perspective and remind me that he's still on the throne. And I was reminded of one of my favorite parts of the Bible, Revelation chapter five, when John has that vision of the throne room of heaven. And one of the angels tells him, there's no need to weep anymore, John, because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. And then what does he do? He looks towards the throne. And who's on the throne? A lamb that has been slain. 
Let's get to worshipping in chapter, in chapter 3. Habakkuk responds with this song of praise to God. Habakkuk focuses on who God is, that he's a mighty, powerful, merciful saviour. And Habakkuk has journeyed now from wrestling with God to now being in a place where he can worship God. And Habakkuk asks God to do again what he's done in the past. Chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat, or the word there is revive, make alive them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk is looking back to the events of the Exodus when God brought his people from slavery into freedom and then into the promised land. And Habakkuk is asking God to do it again. What Habakkuk has heard, he wants to see. And what God did for Israel, Jesus did for the whole world. Jesus is the new and final exodus from slavery to freedom. As Cap has reminded us this morning, I grew up in the Welsh Valleys. And in 1904, God brought a great revival there. Apparently in that year, it was reckoned that 100,000 people made a new commitment to Jesus. I've read the stories I've heard of God's fame, but I want him to do it again. What I've read about, I want him to, I want to see it. We want to see it here in Birmingham. Perhaps your next step today on your Habakkuk journey is to make that your prayer. Lord, do it again. And look where he arrives in chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. Though the frig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine... Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Look at the journey Habakkuk's been on. He started the book shouting at God, saying, how can you let this happen? He's ending the book saying, whatever happens, however bad things get, yet I will rejoice. For me, my Habakkuk journey is to say, in the midst of family illness and suffering, yet I will rejoice in God. For some of us this morning, we need to say, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of pain, in the midst of work and employment difficulties, in the midst of ill health, yet I will rejoice. Perhaps your next step on your Habakkuk journey today is to declare that I will be joyful in God my Saviour. What in the band start to make their way back up? You know, in March 2020, just before lockdown started, um, some friends and I went to the Lake District and we were going to climb Helvellyn and Striding Edge. And as we were walking up that day, people were coming down saying, oh, the snow's too bad, the wind's too bad, you'll never do it. But that day, armed with crampons and ice axes, and it was a definitely a two-pair-of-pants job, and we managed to scale Striding Edge and we had the summit to ourselves. Habakkuk ends his book in chapter 319 saying this, The Lord God is my strength. He makes me like a deer that does not stumble, so I can walk on the steep mountains. Now, I'm a short Welsh hobbit, not a nimble deer, but today God wants us to fill us with his spirit, to give us faith and strength to stand for him and to do the work of his kingdom. 
There are going to be mountains to climb. There are jagged rocks to navigate. But he is your saviour. He's rescued you. He set you free to work for his kingdom of righteousness and peace. And God is inviting you this morning on a Habakkuk journey. We're going to stand and respond in song by singing from Habakkuk chapter 3. So let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.